All right. Thank you for your patience. I just mutilated my thumb. It was
to further clarify who Jesus is. Uh, <clears throat> so, that's why that is there. All right. Let us prepare for worship. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let us rise and worship the Lord. Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. You may be seated. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Beloved, let us confess our sins to our Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful God, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much to the vices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left and done those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. There is no help in us, but thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises, declare to mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him. Have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As a minister of the triune God, I declare to you that your sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Believe that and in peace with God. As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. <laughs> Keep, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy church with thy perpetual mercy. And because the frailty of man without thee cannot but fall, keep us ever by thy help from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let's stand and sing Psalm 150. I'll sing a line and uh, have you sing it in response to me. So the, the first line, praise, praise the Lord, continues in praise God in his sanctuary. So that's all one, one line song. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his mighty acts. 
Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with timbrel and dance. Praise Him with timbrel and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let all that has breath praise the Lord. Let all that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Father and to the Son. Glory to the Father and to the Son. And to the Holy Spirit. And to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning is now. As it was in the beginning is now. And shall be forever. Amen. And shall be forever. Amen. may be seated. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of our everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The 15th Sunday after Trinity, our epistle reading comes from Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 14. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endureth the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as my sons. As sons, My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate, children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit, so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. The word of the Lord. Let's stand and sing hymn number 53, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. Hymn number 53.
my soul praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near, join me in glad adoration. Praise to the
When a south wind blows, you say, there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but how is it that you do not interpret this present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Let's stand and confess what we believe as Christians in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into Sheol. The third day he rose again according to the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Our sermon comes from Genesis 13. Genesis chapter 13. Abram has returned out of the land of Egypt, uh, made wealthy by the hand of Pharaoh and God's mercy on Abram. Hear the word of the Lord. Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he, his wife, and all he had, and Lot with him. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. He went by stages from the Negev to Bethlehem, to Bethel, to the place from between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had formerly been, to the site where he had built the altar. And Abram called on the name of the Lord there. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together, for they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. And there was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let's not have quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since, you are, since we are relatives. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of Jordan, as far as Zor, as well, as well was well watered everywhere, like the Lord's garden in the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities on the plain and set up his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil, sinning immensely against the Lord. After Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Look from the place where you are. Look north and south, east and west. For I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring would be counted. Get up and walk around the land through its length and width, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and went to live near the oaks of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. What is the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking? Peacekeeping is accomplished through not addressing problems. Peacekeeping is only concerned with appearances. Peacekeeping is what happens when people don't love each other enough to work towards a solution. Rather, they, quote, keep the peace by never addressing hard issues. On the other hand, 
Peacemaking works towards unearthing dissension and then solving it. Peacemaking isn't afraid to endure conflict with the hope that greater unity and understanding can be had on the other side. Peacemaking is the business of the church. And as ambassadors of Christ, we are at peace with our Creator. Jesus fought and defeated death to make peace with us. From our peace in Christ, we then aim to bring other sinners into that same peace. And through this peace with God, we can make peace with others. And to address that somebody needs to have peace made between them and God means you can't just say, yeah, whatever works for you. Your truth is your truth, right? You you can't keep peace with them. You have to actually address that they're not right with the Lord and that there's a way for that to be corrected. But it requires them to humbly confess their sins to the Lord. And through this peace with God, we can then make peace with others. When Jesus is the common ground for our being, then marriages families, property line disputes, can all be reconciled with a spirit of humility and forgiveness. We must be willing to be made uncomfortable in order to make peace, however. We must be willing to endure conflict. We must be willing to be the bad guy, to sacrifice our own comforts. And this is a selfless and righteous person. The righteous person is the one that desires peace more than their own comfort. Verses 1 through 4. Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he, his wife, and all he had, and Lot with him. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. He went by stages from the Negev to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had formerly been, to the site where he had built the altar, and Abram called on the name of the Lord there. So this movement up from Egypt is clearly a movement of ascension. Abram has gone down to the land of Egypt in famine, has endured a crisis, a type of death. He's separated from his wife for a time. So there's a kind of death they experience in Egypt. But the Lord reunites him in Sarai. He brings his wife back to him, which is a kind of resurrection, and then lifts them up out of the land with greater wealth than they went into the land with. God makes peace between Sarah and Abram, and in a way, between Abram and Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh acknowledges his wrong, even though he covers it with blaming Abram. But there's a kind of peace made because now Sarah is no longer um, apart from her husband. Abram now returns from Egypt with greater glory than when he left. He brings his company and all the treasure accrued, and he brings them back to the altar he had previously built as a memorial to God's promises. The first thing in Abram's mind, as soon as he's blessed by God, as soon as he is uh, granted glory by God, is to go and offer glory back to the Lord, to lay his crowns at the Lord's feet. Abram's heart is ever inclined toward devotion to God. He is thankful for his deliverance from the land of Egypt, and rather than clutch tightly to the many blessings he's been given, he, he has an open hand to the Lord with all of it. In thankfulness, he honors the Lord that provided for him. The same movement is accomplished by Christ in his ascension after the resurrection. Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies so that he can intercede for us. The the life that Christ wins in the crucifixion and resurrection, he shares. He gives gifts to many because of it. He doesn't hold the glory to himself, but actually his glory increases through glorifying others, through bringing many sons to glory. 
And through our union with Jesus, we can ascend into peaceful estate with the Father. And this is first and foremost done by descending into our own souls to unearth our sins. We must go into our internal Egypt to wrestle the Pharaoh of our flesh. And we then confess those sins to the Lord so he can raise us back up to the altar where we can offer thanksgiving with a clear conscience. Our hope is that we would then be brought into union with God to a greater degree because there's less distance between us and the Father when our sins are dealt with. And we're raised to right standing. We're set on the solid rock of Christ and then we can dwell in the house of God with a, with a clean tongue and worship Him in gratitude and praise. Verses 5 through 13. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together. So they had, they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. And there was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Prezites were living in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let's not have quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since we are relatives. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Lot, Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of Jordan, as far as Zor. It was well watered, like the Lord's garden in the land of Egypt. And this was, this was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from, from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities in the plain set up, and set up his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil, sitting immensely against the Lord. So here we have our conflict between Abram and his nephew Lot. Both men have been enriched through the blessings of God and through the trial in Egypt. And while there may have been a lack of resources, quarreling is not the necessary outcome of hardship. Difficulty is not an excuse for grumbling. The implication is that the herdsmen would only be grumbling if there was grumbling between their masters, which Abram alludes to. Let there not be quarreling between our herdsmen or between you and me, Lot. Right? Lot is the master of these herdsmen, and Lot's grumbling has created this issue. And since it is Abram who looks to resolve the fighting, the most likely scenario is that Lot is most likely chafing under a covetousness of Abram. Abram has been given great success, he has a great household, and there's a kind of disdain for Abram. He feels like uh, he's, there's a kind of jealousy for Abram's possessions. Lot is discontent in participating in Abram's household and would rather be on his own. Perhaps Abram's increased wealth as a gift from God has fostered jealousy in Lot's soul. And the source of conflict can be seen as one who has wealth in conflict with one who loves wealth. The possession of wealth is not the sin. It is that when wealth is desired above all else. Abram has wealth and Lot clearly has a love of wealth. This is an important distinction. Right? That the temptation is if you don't have wealth... To think, well, I'm free from the love of money because I don't have any. Right? And as somebody that has not had a lot of money, I can tell you that the sin of loving money is ever, ever present as a temptation. It's like, if I just had a little bit more, then we'd be comfortable. Then I'd, then I'd be happy. Right? Then if, if we could just go on vacation twice a year, then, then, we'd really be, then I'd be content. 
If I could just have the things I want, then I would be content. If the material things that, were, that I desire were given to me, my soul would change. That's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Right? That the soul has to be changed by the supernatural. That you can't look to materials to actually address your sin, to fix your sin. That you have to foster contentment in lack and in plenty. Love's loves, Lot's love, Lot's love of wealth is demonstrated as Abram aims at peacemaking. Abram would rather take the worst plot of land in order to restore a kind of love between him and his nephew. He'd rather him and his nephew be on be out of quarreling, be done fighting, and have worse land, right, than, than fight over who gets the better portion. Even though Abram's household is greater, and Abram is the one who's promised all of this inheritance. Abram is willing to put his rights and privileges on the back burner in order for his relationship with Lot to be restored. Abram graciously offers Lot to pick the land. He's like, anywhere you'd like. If you go this way, I'll go the opposite. Whatever you want, you can have it. And Lot then lifts up his eyes. This is a, this is a key uh, demonstration in Scripture. Right? If you lift up your eyes, you judge with the eyes. When have we seen people assess with their eyes in the Garden of Eden, right? The fruit was pleasing to their eyes. They forsook what God had said and instead assessed with the eyes. They became judges themselves. Right? It's a, in the book of Judges, when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes, that's never a good thing. That means God's about to judge people if that's what's happening. And so Lot lifts up his own eyes and chooses the land near Sodom because of its riches. Lot uses his own eyes as judgment. And he disregards the growth of wickedness in Sodom. He disregards that the people of Sodom are known for how much they hate God. And he says, but they've got a lot of money, so I'm going to live there. But they've got really good pasture, so I'll go there. I'll I'll dwell with the wicked rather than the righteous man of promise because I can have more stuff. I can grow my household. This is a land that looks like the former Eden. It looks like the glories of Egypt that they had just left. And this could be an indication that Lot is saying, hey, Abram got rich in a land that looked like this. I'm going to go there and then I can, I can have the stuff Abram has. So again, the jealousy and the love of wealth and the desire to make himself great, to make a great name for himself, right, the sin of Babel, that seems to be present in Lot's desires to go after the better portion here. And, to, and the, even the desire to quarrel and fight and separate from Abram. He covets Abram's blessings and sees a land that looks like the place Abram was blessed in. And so we must be on guard that we do not pursue financial security at the cost of our souls. That we ought not compromise our calling as God's people just to pay the heating bill. We must be willing to wait on the Lord. That if he's promised that he feeds the birds of the air and he clothes the flowers of the field and neither of them labor or toil, how much more so does he love his people? That it's better to be a servant in the house of God than a great man in the, in the halls of the wicked. Be wary of seeing, quote, golden geese to solve your problems because they tend to bite back. We can also see this as a type of prodigal son narrative. Right? Lot was Abram's nephew. He was treated like a son. And Lot would rather have wealth than find a way to live peaceably with his father. Just as the prodigal son would rather have his inheritance than live in his father's house. 
in a sense, wishing his father was dead. Give me the stuff that I get if you were dead. I want that instead of you. What Christ does is he undoes these covetous impulses. Rather than him take his father's treasure, he leaves the treasures that are rightfully his to descend to the earth and face death for us so that we can share in his riches, to carry us into his great treasure. He sells all to buy the field of the earth and reclaim us as his greatest treasure. And true wealth, then, is found in this kind of Christ-like generosity. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And true peace is found in using our resources to glorify God, to do the will of the Father. If our first goal is our personal gain, right, to see a certain number of digits in the savings account, then we'll become embittered. And you'll, you'll actually, that'll turn to ash in your mouth. The pursuit of wealth causes strife. Whatever someone else has is something you don't have. And now you have dissension between you and your neighbor. But when we pursue peace, we have an open hand with our wealth. We desire Christ to use our gifts. And we actually recognize all the things that we saw as our own lack are actually ways in which Christ has enriched us. Whether it's with time or food or a house or, or family. Right? Whatever the things are that you saw as expenses all of a sudden turn into income. When we desire Christ to use our gifts for his peacemaking mission, all of a sudden we look at people's opportunities to love Christ. If we have a heart of Christ, we'll see that the great riches of the kingdom and the desire of them are greater than gold, yea, much fine gold. To seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then all these things will be added unto you. Not to say that, oh, okay, well, I'll look to heaven, and then I'll get a bunch of gold, right? is that if you look to heaven, then contentment will reign in your soul. And whatever you have, you'll realize is enough. This is why men like Richard Wombrandt can be brutally uh, tortured in a Soviet prison for decades and praise the Lord and sing hymns and, and even have uh, even preach the gospel to his captors, knowing that the riches he has stored up for him, the lashes he's receiving, are greater than anything that money could buy on earth. The riches of the kingdom are won through peacemaking, through selflessness, through repentance, hope, faith, charity, prayer, and fasting. Verses 14 through 18. After Lot separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Look from the place where you are, look north and south, east and west, for I will give you your offering, offspring forever all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like that of the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring would be, would be counted. Get up, walk around the land through the length and width, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and went to live near the oaks of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. And here we have another contrast between Abram and Lot, where Lot lifted his own eyes to look to see what pleased him. Now God tells Abram, Abram, lift up your eyes and see what I'm giving you as pleasing, a pleasing gift. It's not just a valley. It's everything. North, east, south, west. Look all around you. That's all yours. All, count, try to count the dust on the earth. You'll have more offspring than that. Abram's trust in the Lord to provide is revealed in his open-handedness. Right? That Abram's trust is revealed in how open-handed he is with Lot. That he knows who his God is and he trusts God has promised good things to him. So he has no need to strive and 
and cling and clutch his pearls. Abram does not need to toil in anxiety about the future because his future has been secured by the Almighty. Because Abram keeps faithfully plotting after God, God keeps revealing more and more texture to the promise. It's the same promise, but Abram's closeness with the Lord gives him further insight into details regarding the promise. Right? At first it's like, leave your father and I'll show you a land somewhere. And then he leaves and God appears to him and he gives him more information about the land. And now again, he goes through a crisis. He gives up. He shows humility and follow, trust in God's promises and is sold northeast, southwest, sand, dust. It's all coming from your household. He hears that his seed will outnumber the sand and the stars and his offspring will cover the earth. Lot can take the valley of Sodom because the Lord is giving Abram's kids the whole world. Abram responds to this marvelous promise by retiring to his old resting place in the Oaks of Mamre. These oaks stand, again, in contrast to the city of Sodom. The oaks are a peaceful mediator between heaven and earth, while the city of Sodom stands as an outpost of the wicked. The oaks are a new Eden where Abram can pray to the Lord at the altar. Abram can actively rest in God's promises at the altar of God in God's land. And these promises are given to the ultimate son of Abram in Jesus. Jesus is the promised offspring, the seed, individual, the, the singular seed of Abram. Jesus is the one through whom all nations will be adopted. The faithful family will cover the earth. And in our rebellion, we strive against the flock of Christ as Lot strives against Abram. But Christ gives us our desires. And, and Christ, if, if we continue in rebellion, Christ will actually give you your desires and let you live in Sodom. Right? This is the danger of Romans 1, that if you continue to chafe at the call of the Lord, that he'll actually give you over to your desires as a kind of judgment. And he'll let you live in death, but it'll feel like wealth for a time. But just as Lot is later in need of rescue, we are too. And in our need of rescue, Jesus conquers the flesh and the devil so that we can be at peace with him. And as Lot can be at peace with Abram again, that Abram will actually later on give up his own stability and establishment to go fight against the kings of the Canaanites to rescue Lot. When we dwell in the promised house of God, it's like being in this grove of oaks. Peace with God and the brethren will lift our eyes to the wealth of God's promises. We'll have our eyes opened in worship to see how great our God's work is, how much he has done and will do. We see that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. We get to share in these blessings because we are at peace through Jesus. We can be content in what we have and no longer strive because Christ has promised us a home. He's prepared it for us already. We can be blessed and bless others with generosity. We can have an open hand, knowing that the Father is the owner of the garden grove in which we rest. And we will, uh, we will have rest when we pursue peace over our own fleshly comfort. And Christ will bless us with eternal comfort through his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now collect our tithes and offerings. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty forever. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O God, and you are exalted head above all. All things come from you, O Lord. Glory be to the Father 
prayer. Let us bring our petitions and thanksgiving to him in Christ's name for the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, for the unity of all people, especially the church in Maine. President, our governor, for the leaders of the state of Maine, the nation, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the good earth which God has given us, for the wisdom and will to conserve it, for food and shelter, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the aged and the infirm, for the widowed and orphans, for the sick and the suffering, for those who are lonely, for those in bondage to addiction, for all who are confused and lost, let us pray to the Lord. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, especially for persecuted Christians living in fear or threat of danger, for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It is right, our duty, and our joy always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourselves. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory, that he might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper... Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is the, my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit, and to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also, that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament, and be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom, where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, the bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserve your body and soul under everlasting life. Take and eat.
<laughs> the cup of blessing which we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ which was shed for you. Preserve your body and soul under everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Let's stand and sing hymn number 441, Jesus Shall Reign, or 441.
Christ. Therefore, go into the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and lift His countenance up to you and give you His peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise